The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for Red Hot Truth Injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot damn. We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media one by one. Woo-wee! Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A. This is Universe B, call it, and we're gonna tear you a new one. You mind? Okay. Hey, everybody. This is our second time doing our Q&A for the update episode of Creeping Wave Radio following the William S. Burroughs episode. Yay. And uh, that, that was a big episode. There was a lot of editing. So I was hoping to do something that there wasn't as much editing and as not as much work involved. But uh, th- this one's turning turning out to be a little bit a little bit labor intensive. I mean, it's as far as putting it, on, getting it on screen. And, <laughs> oh, I still got to, I still got to overlay pictures and everything. Yeah, getting too. pictures on. So, um, yeah. I think she, she didn't have to edit the stories themselves at all because they were really no. good. No, but I, I had to get the voice out uh, over and I had to put the pictures together and then, right. yeah. And, uh, uh, so we're doing an update episode. <laughs> we have holy light coming in from the back, so that's kind of nice. And From the Closet. The bathroom. Yeah, always in the bathroom. Well, the throne's in there, so we should have the holy light, too. Yeah, so so this should be a fun, fun episode. So uh, we have the questions that were submitted here in the handbook for the recently deceased. So that is very exciting, I think. Um, we're trying a little di- bit different setup because... Um, we don't have a lot of space on my desk, and so I always have to sit way too close to the ring light, which either, like, blasts my face out or, like, emphasizes all the, like, <laughs> architecture of my face. So tangents. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No tangents. All right, all right, all right. So, but we're trying a different setup. Is letting you know. <laughs> Obviously, you've seen it. So, hmm <laughs> Okay. So, our first question comes from Jack Thomas of the Just Conversations podcast. Hi, Jack. How are you? And uh, it is a three-parter. Are you ready for this? Okay. <laughs> Let me get my coffee. Get, get your coffee. So it's it's a long question, uh, and it will, will involve a long answer. So, how long have you and Scratch been together? Eight years. Eight years. That's about a change. Uh, about eight and a half. Um, and, and that's if you mean... Me and Scratch, as in the people behind Creeping Wave, the people who run Lucid Nap Productions, um, Scratch and Nap from the show, uh, they, you have to listen to the episodes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's about eight and a half years. Uh, we actually met on a boat. and uh, Ship. On a ship, that's right, yeah. 
So <laughs> you were crew. I was crew God, and you would have been I was crew and about. living history and videographer and second watch and I had a lot of jobs there. So I basically I used to work at the Maritime of um, the Maritime Museum of San Diego. Um, I didn't start out working there. I had actually been um, I, I started coming there around like 2010 because I was trying to research a book that I was working on because I had uh, been in unemployment. Um, I, I basically, uh, my, my skill set is mostly in multimedia, videography, stuff like that. And uh, so it, it was really difficult at that time to find somewhere that they wanted to hire you on as like an in-house editor. So you had a lot of free time. I had a lot of free time. And uh, so I uh, was writing a book, and that, the book eventually turned into Lost Bread and Creeping Wave Radio, and obviously the stories evolved, but um, yeah, and so uh, part of that book, and that's actually going to be introduced just like the slightest bit in the new season, if we complete that, uh, part of the book dealt with uh, a bunch of sailors from Nova Scotia, um, cursed sailors from Nova Scotia, and uh, they... Uh, yeah, it's, I, I can't give too much away because it's going to be in the next season. Yeah. Uh, and, um, so I was doing research on sailing, but um, then I, uh, on sailing tall ships and schooners and things like that. Um, and I kind of realized that you can only go so far with just reading and getting the terms down and everything. You kind of have to um, invest in, you know, practical skill set and I don't actually know what it feels like to sail or well I, I do now but I didn't at the time um and, and what the labor and and so um I I had a very romanticized notion that uh and I was like I got I got to figure out what it's really like and so I called uh two separate places at the Maritime Museum I called um the uh volunteer crew which they basically, all the ships, all the antique ships are maintained by volunteers who come down on the weekends uh, and they, you know, sand and clean rust and basically make sure that these ships are in ship shape. And then they, um, they, that's what they do. <laughs> mm -hmm. They also sail. Um, they sail them. Yeah. Some you, of the ships go out on the weekends for, mm -hmm. for tours. They do. And we and actually. once a year they try and get the Star of India out. Mm -hmm. And she's the original thing, built 1863. Yep. Yep. 70-plus uh, percent uh, original. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She still sails. She is. And uh, to give you an idea how old she is, I, I think, is it three days after the Gettysburg Address? Yeah, well, we, something like that, or a week or something. It's yeah. what's in that time frame. That was so. when she uh, went on her maiden voyage, mm -hmm. I believe. So uh, it's a very old ship. Um, but I called, I called there. Uh, and then I also called the Napoleonic dance team because uh, you might know from my name, I'm really into uh, the what's considered to be Regency era England or Napoleonic era France. Um, and so that that time period is really of interest to me. So they had like a, a dance um, a group. I, I keep wanting to say dance team, but you guys don't compete with each other. No. Um, and I called in. And uh, I did not get a response from the dance group at all. Uh, and that's more what I was interested in because I'm just not an outdoorsy person. I'm not a physical person. Um, so I was more hoping to get <laughs> in touch with that. Um, but I, uh, 
eventually I did get a call from the dance group and it was probably about three months after I placed my original call. And, uh, they, the leader of the, the, I don't know what you call them, <laughs> the instructor, the troop. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, the, the head of the troop basically said like, well, you're going to have to have an audition and you're going to have to have music picked out and we don't just let anybody in. And I was just like, I really don't know anything about, you know, English contra dance. I don't know how to perform it. Um, and he's like, oh, any, any dance piece will do. Ballet would be a good choice. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> have you seen me? That's not going to work. Um, but yeah. the, <laughs> the, the dance, uh, that I did know how to perform was Morris dance, um, which is a, uh, very, very ancient English style of dance. It's very frolicsome. Uh, very lots of leaping and juggling of handkerchiefs and bells tied around the legs. Um, it's normally performed by a, a group of men, and uh, they they'll do it at like May Day celebrations. Um, Henry VIII actually brought it into the court, um, but it had been performed well before then. Um, well, needs to say it's a, it was <laughs> it was it's so I I was like I can do that I can practice a piece. It's normally not you can do it by yourself. It's not usually how you do it. Um, and so I was, uh, kind of like, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this Ren Faire shtick for everybody. <laughs> and, um, so I got there, I had my piece prepared. I was all dressed and I had the bells on my legs and I performed my piece. I'm doing my handkerchiefs and I'm prancing and leaping and they were hardly unimpressed that, yeah, that was not what they were looking for at all. And, but, um, you, you told me later that a thought had well, occurred. I mean, well, I mean, they, they also invited me the same day, but he, he didn't, but I was picked up cause I was lounging around the gift shop and mm -hmm. I happened to be a guy. He didn't have to audition because like, he was, come on up and dance. Cause we more need masculine. guys. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. at that time they were actually had sort of, at least one or two of the, the women dancers had to dress up in as males Males, to, to do it. So mm -hmm. they were looking, they were starving for guys. So that gotta, was not offered to me. Um, so I got a, you know, you know collect $200 card on that one. So, yeah. So he, he just came in and you went. And so I'm sitting there watching this person dance around in green with flowing handkerchiefs and bells and, and just kind of going, what? And your heart said, I shall marry this dancer, this fine little Morris dancer. <laughs> that is. <laughs> well, that's a thought. Uh, that's exactly that's the, the thought. thought, exactly the thought that you had. Um, so I, um, I would show up for the dancing, uh, but I mostly was showing up for you because I, I really enjoyed talking to you. English Contra Dance, if you ever watch a Jane Austen type movie, it's where they all line up and they're dancing back and forth with each other and kind of twirling around. And um, it's it's what square dancing in the U.S. Yeah, is I think based of more on. like square dancing. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. movie stuff is is contrived. Mm -hmm. so, well, the the movie stuff is set up so that they right. they can do conversations yeah. with the characters. Um, but uh, we a normal a normal dance at that time. There would have been any conversation would have been screaming, yelling. It's a party. And a lot of booze. Yeah. So you imagine what kind of things were, were yelled. Mm -hmm. It's a party, so yeah. it's, it wasn't like a 
the very delicate, elegant. <laughs> yeah, elegant, delicate conversations that you see the the witty repartee and all that kind yeah. of stuff wasn't what was going so, on. Um, so, so uh, basically, she showed up and did film. I, I would film and I would hang out with this guy. And I actually started going to volunteer crew and actually learned to sail because I just wanted to hang out with him because we were friends at the time and he was uh, cool. He was funny and into history and uh, checked all the boxes for me. Um, I was actually dating somebody else at the time, but that relationship was in its death throes. And uh, you got the boot. He, he did. <laughs> um but he never, since he never looked up from his video game console. Pretty much, too much, yeah. It was it was a relationship where I was kind of. Uh, a lot of people who knew us mutually would say, "Are are you guys still going out?" Because well, we never went to movies, we never went to parties, we never went out to dinner or anything. Um, he would call when he'd get bored, and uh, he he would say, "Why don't you come over?" And I'd be like, "Okay," and I'd come in, he'd nod. Uh, and then go back to playing the video games and I would sort of sit there and entertain myself on the computer or with a book or draw something. Yeah. So he I, got the boot very quickly. <laughs> you know, so our, I, I our broke, first yeah. actual time, I guess. First date was... Not a date, you know, the first time is yeah. the time when, when you lost me in PB. I did lose you in PB. PB stands for Pacific Beach. We didn't lose me, it's just we couldn't find exactly where to go. Now, PB, if you're not in San Diego, is kind of like where there's a, a pretty heavy bar scene and uh, a lot of uh, stuff that you do in your 20s. And I was pretty sure I knew my way around PB because I used to be there every weekend. Um, but at this time, I was 32. So I hadn't been doing that for a bit. Um, but I, but when they said, oh, we're going to a restaurant in PB, I was like, oh, I, follow me. I know my way around PB. <laughs> I didn't. And uh, I got them lost. And instead of like, like trying to pull over and trying to coordinate or something well, like that. Well, there is nowhere to pull over. And, and yeah, it's he, just bumper to bumper traffic. So, I mean. He just got fed up and went home. And I got <laughs> and said, all right. We're so, not going to find this. It's yeah. time to go home. So, I finally got to the restaurant. And everybody was very upset because their dancer, their fellow dancer was not there. And this idiot who just kind of was like the scenery had come in their stead and it was horrendous horrendous but um yeah so i was like all right i'll call him i'll figure out where he is and i looked his number up on the white pages on my phone and i called him and he was at his house and he was eating a sandwich he got from vons or something mm -hmm. and um but we just were talking the whole night to the to the um detriment of the other dancers they were very annoyed with that so i had to like get up from the table and move go sit by myself so i could continue talking to this guy and uh we kind of decided we were gonna start hanging out uh, and we went to barnes and noble and we would sit and have coffee sit and have tea coffee and... tea draw uh write and that's look at books yeah walk around. that's kind of what we we did on our first dates and yeah and uh, so it's we like pretty soon it's like coming yeah. over, and of course, mm -hmm. meeting the parents. Yeah, that <laughs> was a weird day. Which you know, yeah. they, the parent, you know, I say, you know, most young men are, are are very might be very at least the intelligent ones might be a little you know apprehensive or scared about meeting the father-in-law and the mother-in-law. Yeah. And 
that you know I'm a little older, so it's just like yeah, okay. It's not your first radio. Yeah. So, but I mean, for it was kind of an awkward situation, you know, if you weren't me, because the first time they met me, I was dressed in my period clothing, Mm -hmm. so I had a a Wedgwood blue tails coat, Mm -hmm. a green waistcoat, which is what they call vest in in plebeian times we live in now. Just a quick note, he's actually remembering this wrong. This is the outfit he was wearing the first time that he met my parents. The outfit he's describing is actually the outfit he wore to another special occasion that we'll be talking about on here. And uh, the picture, that is if you're watching with video, you'll be able to see it, that I showed of that outfit. Uh, This is the first time I had ever seen it. today a little more about that later on you looked cute though and you know and a, and a sock you know a, a silk ascot kind of thing and then breeches which are not shorts but they're basically sh- like knee length pants knee length pants and then stockings mm-hmm. and uh ballet shoes like and ballet shoes yeah jazz shoes, jazz shoes jazz dance shoes and so he was dancing around the deck and my my uh parents from my description which was uh he's older graying hair, short. They were looking for someone that looked like her dad. <laughs> who, who is older with graying hair, short. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they found him and they went over and introduced themselves. I was not there. They, they just took that upon themselves to do that. Um, but anyway, we, we wound up sailing on the, the uh, Surprise together, which is the, mm-hmm. the ship from Master and Commander. Um, it is not the, the actual surprise, which was a captured French frigate. Um, this is more of a, uh, this is more like an English style because it's the round bottom. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a reproduction of the HMS Rose, actually. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the HMS Rose. 18 or 1760s. Yeah. So it's, it's a bathtub. It's like a floating bathtub. We, yeah. So, but we, we're, we're diverging. Well, we wound up sailing <laughs> together and that was, that was cool. That was yeah. a cool thing that not a lot of couples do. And then we... Uh, six months later, um, we actually, <laughs> well, you got to set up the scene. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were at <clears throat> the in-laws mm-hmm. and your sister was over there and they had, they had recently, they, well, they, not recently, but you know, within, the, within the past year they'd gotten married. It was one of our dates was going to the yeah. wedding. Yeah. And so we're all sitting there in the living room watching, mm-hmm. looking at a slideshow of of uh, various photographs from the wedding, and suddenly this picture of a sonogram shows up, mm-hmm. and sister's like, surprise, I'm pregnant. Yeah, she was, with super cute niece. And then I have nieces and nephews from my brother. Yeah, you have three nieces, you don't have any nephews. No, no, I don't have any nephews no. on that side. I got a whole bunch, I got some here. Yeah. I got nieces, you know, from my brother's side, and they're, they're older than my nieces out here, and then, but then, so it, might, it would have been my first niece out here, but that's what she says. You're an uncle again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how's that? I just kind of <laughs> thought of us as a unit already. You know, like, um, so, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm taking the hint. Yeah. I'm dense, but not that dense. Was it trying so, to hint? But... <laughs> yeah, it was it? No, it wasn't a hint. It was a slap. <laughs> and so... I, that that night, or I think the next day, I'm sitting there looking for rings. All right, what's a good ring? You know, some you know, because I really don't know what her taste is. I kind of look through jars, and it, it it's, it's all a lot very theatrical kind of. I like costume thing. jewelry. Yeah. 
So, so I'm like, all right, this is not helping at all. So I'm like, oh, what kind of ring do you think you'd like to wear? She's mm -hmm. like, and of course she describes something that's akin to like a Super Bowl ring, which you ever see them are like this big. I like opulence. You know? <laughs> I like opulence. And chew on crusted, you know. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to think of something that's a little more everyday use. <laughs> I would wear it. I, I wear this ring every day. Oh, I don't know if you can see that. And that is, it's a quite a large ring. But, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> the ring thing went, went you know, unaddressed for you know, for, for a while. Mm -hmm. So, I think that Monday we were out at, at uh, we were going to go see a uh, presentation by Write Out Loud, mm -hmm. which is an excellent uh, program they have here in San Diego where they do. You know, just got to adjust this right now. Hold on. We're good. <laughs> where they do, you know, literature readings. And I think that particular night was about animals or. Yeah, it was yeah. about animals. Yeah. And animal adventures. And so you can, you can take it away. Yeah. And so uh, we were eating dinner at Barra Barra before the show. In Old Town. Yeah, in Old Town, California, which is another one of our favorite hangouts. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's one of the only places that serves absinthe just on the regular menu. And that's one of my favorite drinks. And, um. So he uh, was saying it would be kind of lame to go to the show with my girlfriend. And I'm just like, cool, man. Uh, all right. And he's like, but it'd be cool to go with my wife. And I was like, oh, okay. And now he says dropping a hint. It really wasn't dropping a hint because previously I had just, I always was in long-term relationships and I never expected it to end in marriage or anything like that. A lot of women talk about like, oh, when we get married and stuff, I was just like, we're just going to do what we do. And I'd been in a relationship for six years. I'd been in a relationship for 10 years it, when they just never wound up being marriage. Uh, so it was the concept that he would want to, do that would like want to legally bind himself to me was a little like uh oh, okay i guess and i didn't give the appropriate reaction uh which was fine <laughs> you didn't you didn't start laughing at me no it, hysterically it, I or wasn't, you didn't scream and run out the door i wasn't disappointed but i was just like i mean yeah i mean probably was just like that too yeah uh, yeah, I'm, man, I'm a I very guess. awkward, I'm a very awkward person. Um, so, and then we picked out a ring there that, uh, one, yeah. yeah, um, that from one of the jewelry shops, that one actually broke and I haven't had it repaired yet. Uh, we did get another one when we were in, uh, Petoskey, which is Michigan, which m where my shirt is from. It has a sailboat on it cause sailing. Um, and I, um, that was a little man-made emerald one that we we got but that one's too big for me now because i lost weight uh but i did get this one in savannah and i pretty much wear this one every day it's not mm -hmm. anything traditional but uh yeah and so uh we we wanted to wait for my sister's baby to be born because we didn't want to like rob the spotlight you know so that the baby is born and she's super adorable her name is sienna uh we had one um I have a nephew who was born, we have a nephew now, but I, yeah. um, who was born, I think a couple months before her yeah. or a year before her. Um, and, uh, they're far away. yeah, but they're, they're up in Northern California, well, more central California. Yeah. And, uh, so we didn't want to steal the spotlight from her. So we waited until the baby was, uh, I mean, not that she cared too much. She just kind of laid there. Well, but, she, she was one. 
when yeah. when the wedding happened, she could walk well, around. Well, when she was born, she didn't carry yeah. me in any spotlight. Matter of fact, they did put her in the spotlight. Yeah, we we had her in the the wedding party. Yeah, so, so I wanted a year her later, to... a year later, because yeah. we wanted to get married, you know, mid October sometime. Yeah. So and uh, we we got married uh, October twelfth, uh, two thousand thirteen. I wanted to do October thirteenth, two thousand thirteen, but that would have been a Sunday which is a, a lot to ask people to <laughs> come to a wedding and they can't drink because they have to go to work tomorrow and it's giving up yeah their Sunday and not that's not cool so we did it Saturday so the pictures that you are seeing uh, this is actually the first time that I have seen these pictures these were taken by a professional photographer that we hired at the wedding but the wedding was such a stressful time for me with everybody telling me what I should do and what my life is going to be like after this point and oh you better give up all your hopes and dreams because now your life is all about making your husband happy and that kind of thing and it's like no it's about making each other happy but that's okay and obviously everything they said didn't come to pass but it was so much that I just never opened the hard drive with all the video files so uh, here we are almost eight years later and uh, it's the first time I, I've ever seen any of these was today when I asked my mom for pictures uh, from the wedding because the pictures I do have are from people's cell phones that they just texted to me. And she actually opened up the hard drive and uh, just went ahead and sent all of these to me. So, yeah, kind of crazy. But, hey, thanks, Mom. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. And we honeymoon down in Savannah, Savannah Georgia. Georgia, which was cool. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of fun. And we, we've been together since, yep. I guess. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess so. There's no break in between no. or anything. <laughs> Just kind of. And so. Well, that's yeah. how we met. Yeah. And he was the one of the first persons other than my mom who thought I should be writing and drawing professionally. So he, uh, even though every picture you had seen was either on a napkin of chipotle or the tablecloth at Macaroni Grill. Which the waitress or waitresses usually got a big kick out of. It was usually a caricature of him <laughs> saying something like, I smell, or that kind of thing. And I'm not sure how you look at that and go like, oh yeah, yeah, you, you should be doing this for a living. But that was his takeaway from it. And so that's what I'm doing. And... He helps out on my projects. <laughs> it's very cool. So, What's our next question? The next, the next, the next part of the question oh. comes from Jack. So that was, we took 24 minutes answering that. So That was our long one. Though, that was our long one. Because there's a lot. So um, also, how much wood could a wood scratch chuck if a wood scratch could chuck wood? But the, the, the last wood is a W-O- U L D, right? So, so uh, that might change your answer. I'm not going to scratch my wood at any time. No, it hurts. Probably a good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then the the third part is additionally, how much wood would a wood and see the W O U L D scratch scratch if a wood scratch W O O D scratched much wood? No. No? Again? Not not big on the scratching of the wood? No. Okay. It's painful. Okay. So. Could be scarring. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's probably probably not a great idea to get get involved in that i guess so so uh, i guess that uh, that that is not a question that scratch can deign to answer for you <laughs> so um then our next question is from anthony silva of the league of ridiculous conversations podcast and anthony asks they didn't give you an honorary membership to that Oh, because of the ridiculous conversations that I have? No. <laughs> no, I've been on it a couple of times. Um, I don't feel like I'm as funny as the other people on the show, so I always feel kind of awkward on there. Because my it's a plenty ridiculous. Yeah, I am ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, my my uh, verboseness comes from nervousness that I, I will just fill the space. I tread water. That's what mm -hmm. I do. Um, so does old scratch... Okay, sorry. That's reading my own handwriting. Does Old Scratch wear a horseshoe under his cloven foot, or does he go commando on his hoof beans? I'm going commando right now. Hmm. So. So just imagine that. So yeah, that's a beautiful image for all of you to enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, so Scratch does not wear a horseshoe or or a devil shoe or whatever it would be oh. so yeah a so goat shoe. a goat shoe with the goat legs goats don't usually wear horseshoes mm. um goats are a subject of interest. they call them goat shoes yeah Go goats don't usually wear anything like that they they and their hooves are different <laughs> uh they're good at climbing though like uh yeah they'll climb on your car they'll climb up in a tree they they love it they just love climbing on everything so you got to watch that. So it's new and coming up. It's new and coming up uh, in the world of Creeping Wave Radio. I am writing uh, the script for season four. Um, I kind of uh, at the start of every episode of the You Mind, I've been trying to do a short little animation, and kind of in the style of Tom Goes to the Mayor, where it's uh, very much like a static image and then another static image, like ooh, oh, Huh, kind of thing because uh, I really enjoyed Tom Ghost and the Mayor a lot. I really liked him and Eric, I like their their body of work. Um, and uh, so I've been trying to do things that tie into the plot line as it's going to develop for season four. Um, we're hoping that we get to do what we did with season three point five, uh, where we get to do the nine episode runs starting on Halloween and ending on Christmas Day. Um, and that was the first time we were able to do it. It has been my vision since we started to do that, to do a nine episode run, uh, and just take up that, just really make it, take advantage of Yuloween and do that. But, uh, yeah, um, some themed episodes that I have kind of in my mind to do, um, it, it, I might put a poll out to people to find out like where their interests lie. Because there's a lot of authors, um, a lot of comics and stuff like that that I'm very interested in, but it's uh, also like I, I don't know how, like how much interest other people have, or if it's something that people could replicate with their writing, with their artwork, that kind of thing. Um, Jodorowsky and Mobius combined to do uh, Inkal, and uh, in, which is a comic book. It's a French, uh, Spanish comic book. Um, you were thinking about Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick. I was thinking, thinking about Jules Verne. Jules Verne. All possibilities that I was considering. Uh, but I, I got to kind of get an idea of where people's interests lie, what people would be, um, yeah, 
Um, so well, there's a lot of different artists out there. There's yeah, we're potential because we got the potential. best response we've ever got on that episode, mm -hmm. and I think it's because we opened it up to other people to bring them in, not only as voiceover, uh, but as um, but writers. It's also literature. Yeah, it's yeah writers, and then it's it's an artist and. It's something that people can get involved with, can have fun with, can be creative with, which is really the, our vision for the show is we want everybody to enjoy it <laughs> in their own way. Um, and so that's what we're, we're trying to do. Um, and so, yeah, we'd like to do more of those, but they are a big endeavor uh, for us. Um, well, we just have to plan it out, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so much thanks to everybody who participated uh, as a writer, as a voice actor, or as an artist. And I know the art got a lot of attention. Um, and uh, really, the showstoppers were done by uh, Vanessa Cook Farmer. Because there, mm -hmm. there's my artwork in there. But then I think that uh, Vanessa Cook Farmer does these original watercolor pieces um, that were stunning. And I have uh, several of them here in my home. Uh, and they're just amazing pieces that she did because she just got inspired by the show and I sent her the full script and we actually have an interview with Vanessa Cook Farmer where she's going to talk about kind of her process. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. still does excellent work. Yeah. And so we're uh, going to close with that <laughs> and uh, hope you guys enjoy. I hope you guys enjoy hearing from her and hearing about that and uh, let us know in the comments or on Pretty much anywhere that you find me like what kind of episodes would you be interested in are you interested in doing voices for us are you interested in contributing your art whatever your art may be like suggestions for authors yeah and and that honestly we can, that we can mm -hmm. i don't know spotlight yeah like like we do with william s burroughs and we're really lucky that because we have a video portion for uh our uh these episodes that if you are a dancer, if you're a sculptor, if you're a painter, that kind of thing, we, we can put your work in there if you want us to. Like, you know, we if you want to do a dance inspired by Philip K. Dick or something like that, you want to submit a costume that you did or something, we we can put it there. Um, and we, we would love to do it because this is all about showcasing the creativity of all our listeners and all the people who are coming on this journey with us. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it from us. Right. So, to Have you, Vanessa. Okay, everybody. Hey, we are here with uh, one of our contributors for the William S. Burroughs podcast, and that is Vanessa Cook Farmer, whose artwork uh, decorated each and every story. Uh, <laughs> very amazing. Um, you, you did all of this in like a matter of weeks, didn't you? So. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was sort of like hit and miss um, yeah. a few times. And then suddenly I came on and it was like four days of work. Mm -hmm. And I just like powered through it. Um, yeah. It was actually really fun. I had a really, really good time. Um, everything was coming up Millhouse, which never happens. Yeah. Um, so I was super stoked to be on and uh, produce the work that I did. I had a great time. Very cool. So, yeah, um, and you're, you're not really familiar with William S. Burroughs at all. Um, no, I, I wish I was. I'm not a great reader, I'm sorry to say, but I like doing weird shit. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm open to it. <laughs> well, very, very cool. Weird is one of those words that I always feel strange about. 
that uh, because like weird can be somebody who's quirky and fun, and it can also be uh, the girl who goes to the bathroom in the middle of the produce aisle. So, yeah, it's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, where if someone like me with mental illness issues, um, mm -hmm. bipolar, with former really bad anxiety, um, crazy could be something that would make you feel really bad, or mm -hmm. it'd be something that you actually identify with. Right. Uh, crazy could be a word that has a really negative connotation that feels sort of stigmatized and sort of claustrophobic. Um, or it could be something that you actually identify with. Um, I choose to embrace the crazy, the weird, the eccentric, because I just have more fun that way. There you go. Very cool. <laughs> so, so let's uh, describe a little bit of the art process. Now, the first couple pieces that you did um, were based off of the story that, that I had written and I just kind of sent that to you. Yeah, uh, you sent me your story mm -hmm. and I had a really good time um, picking bits and pieces out of that um, to do one or two visuals. And um, normally the process could be sort of fraught with hesitation and sort of like, eh, I don't know if I like this, but everything seemed to be really kind of coming and I was just sort of going yeah <laughs> and then you said hey i probably need a little bit more artwork i'm like i will yeah. take that challenge yeah <laughs> very, very cool yeah and oh. um so i just uh got my board out as a masonite board and i tape uh tape uh watercolor pa uh, pieces of paper to it arches and i just go um where normally i would plan something out a little bit more um this time i didn't really have the luxury of a lot of time and i didn't want to get caught on my own fears of is this good enough or is this not good enough just go 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 and so i just churned as much as i could and i ended up actually having a really really as i said fun time yeah um i didn't feel any fear or hesitation with things yeah i did get a bit giddy sometimes when it came to a few things okay. and i did need to check in with you yeah yeah <laughs> but um i just swung for the fences i just hit go and swung for the fences Very cool. so yes um what well, i think one of my favorite pieces uh for this i i've got a couple but uh mm -hmm. definitely the uh biological show where you have the uh two uh performers i you know, performers against their will one would think yeah <laughs> in the glass case and uh i thought that one was so interesting because there was no description given basically that piece was a poem written by Tolan malazzo and it was written for two voices and he used the technique that william burroughs did where he sort of tore up a story and then re-pasted it together and huh. uh yeah it, okay it's pretty interesting um <laughs> and so okay. it, it was very abstract but you just kind of had a vision and you just went for it, so. Yeah, um, I eventually in the mail, you'll be getting my original uh, concept for that piece. Um, I originally envisioned it as um, you looking into the glass, mm -hmm. although you are not visible yourself as the character, is as though you were actually looking into the glass and you see two characters, one further back and one up close in your face. Um, Ideally, just after writing, help me mm -hmm. in um, welcome. And um, <laughs> I, 
that's what the story I says. Fine. I put some dramatic lighting in, and the downside is that once I put down the aluminum foil leaf to make it really shiny, which of course never reads on film or cameras, mm-hmm. um, I kind of goofed on something, and I ended up using a whole bunch of paper towels. And when you use a whole bunch of paper towels in a watercolor piece, um, there's no going back, and it kind of sucks. Um, you can try to pull it back, but sometimes it just doesn't work. And then I looked at the piece when I was done, and I was just like, I don't think I pushed myself very far in this. Um, I think for the scene, it should be a lot darker, uh, more hopefully humorous, and maybe with more of a message. Um, so after saying I was pretty disappointed with that and just started sleeping overnight, I went uh, back at it the next day. And I'm like, okay, we're going to have to swing for the fences here. This has to be completely crazy and over the top. Um, so I, just, uh, I did a little picture of you down at the bottom, your character, Napoleon Doom. Um, and I sort of decided to make uh, them eat uh, like a, a pink uh, frosted uh, animal cookie. Yes. Not the, the traditional Barnum's animals, although it was based on Barnum's animals. But um, I wanted to sort of play off um, eating the animal cookies that represent sort of uh, trapped zoo animals while actually looking into the glass, peering awkwardly at these creatures that were maybe once human, maybe not. Um, but they're behind glass sort of as caged animals. And as you can see on the, on the side of the wall, I put hash marks in blue uh, watercolor to represent the days that they were actually trapped in there. Um, I wanted to represent sort of man's inhumanity to man by placing these creatures who are very much human and have very much human emotions in a place where they are being viewed as animals. Yeah. Subhuman animals. Um, if you've ever been to lions, tigers, and bears out in Alpine, California, here in San Diego, um, over there in San Diego, I'm in Vegas right now. Right. Um, but you see all these animals that came from sideshows, mostly from the South, where the regulations on keeping wild animals of very large sizes and ferociousness, um, there's really lax laws on that. And so unfortunately you have these sideshow um, situations where someone has one in the house or you have it where it's very inhumane. Kind of like and a so Tiger King. Sort of play off of that. Yeah. Yeah, not to make it too political, but I wanted to do sort of a quasi-humorous take on that. Yeah. Now, with the character that is closest to you, I decided to make them very sunken in, as though they'd been in there for a very long time and very malnourished. Um, but I started to think, when I first started drawing the face, I wanted to be sort of the lizard man. And then I'm like, oh, wait, we need to do, you know, crawling breasts. Stick some breasts on there and some more. And then I thought, you know, what would be the finished outfit for this crawling breast creature if they had been in, say, a sideshow situation? Maybe sort of a weird character as they are. And I've said, you know what? Daisy Dukes. Yeah. Pockets hanging out the bottom. There you go. And I put like a green cast on there with watercolor to sort of symbolize sort of an, a rotting flesh sort of aesthetic. I placed uh, octopus astronaut in the back 
was just sort of reading a um, a novel by William S. Burroughs, and I just said, okay, good. I think I'm fine here, but um, I I hope no one has an issue with this. I'm just having fun. This no, is I not commentary on any sort of other thing. This is really more, if it's going to be commentary, it's going to be commentary on man's inhumanity to man. Yeah. So we, we haven't gotten any nasty comments, actually. All of our comments have been very appreciative and uh, very That's embracing great. of it, uh, which is strange for the internet. Honestly, yeah, that's that's not really yeah. what the internet deals with. So yeah, I was hoping there wouldn't be anything um, mean. No, not yet. It could happen. No, well, uh, it could happen, but you never know. But I'm hoping people stay positive and just look at it as a surreal piece yeah. of artwork. That's that's what um, it is. Something that is within the context of William S. Burroughs. Yeah, and uh, now your husband actually is one of the voices for that piece. Yeah, the the second man, not the main one, but he ended up being in this one uh, uh, octopus astronaut in the background reading. Okay, so because I was wondering what who in your mind uh, he he was was he? Ah, yeah. So yeah, he's um, octopus astronaut. Uh, man number two. Okay. So. <laughs> very nice. So very cool. So um, for the other stories, um, some of it was like me saying like, "Can you draw this?" And then, but but some of it was just like you just tapping into your mind. And now, do you see things like I I don't mean like in, in a no, no, magical sense, but like do you see it in your mind's I, eye? Ideally, yes. Yeah. Um, I do see it. Um, I see it sort of in rough compositions and in colors. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always end up that way. Um, the saturation in my head is much different than what actually happens on paper. Yeah. Um, it is what it is, but the difference is that it's sort of fun in its own way, mm -hmm. um, and I just sort of let it happen. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very exciting piece. Yeah, and and watercolor is a, a medium that uh, really takes a lot of proficiency to to work it. <laughs> a lot of people don't like it. They either yeah. really really like working with oils and absolutely abhor watercolor, or they adore watercolor and they can't stand out oils like me yeah i i'm more of an oil there is different ways of layering okay, yeah yeah so, <laughs> so. mostly because i like to go in with darks first and you can't do that with watercolor so yeah i guess yeah, you, you could, have to know but, exactly yeah. what you're doing mm -hmm. so. um you have one shot at it really yeah there is no erase button there's no erase you know thing mm -hmm. you can do uh masking fluid which i did do in some of those pieces yeah i saw that um but it's really hit and miss sometimes and sometimes the masking fluid goes over one spot that you didn't think it did and you rub it off and go ah shit mm. but mm. that is what it is very cool so <laughs> yes okay well thank you so much for sharing and uh would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your ensemble today my own what ensemble oh my ensemble oh yes um uh the fascinator i made myself um, out of bits and pieces from a former bridesmaid outfit that, um, let's just say that wedding was quite stressful. So I decided to make something better out of it. Um, <laughs> I took the pieces of jewelry that I'd worn at that wedding and the extra flowers and I just hot glued them together and went, cool. there we go. Uh, the lace is, um, a lace that I've been holding onto for some time. Um, I just 
cut our circle in it and cut the little thing in there. Um, we're good to go. The outfit, which I don't know if you can actually see, uh, was from Horrorgasm, uh, the premiere of Horrorgasm in North Park, um, where I made and draped um, by hand a chiffon shirt that has um, sort of a glittering lace and sequin applique right here. It's hard to see in this lighting. Oh, well. But uh, that's me. I, I like to be a little eccentric. I, I like to have fun with my outfit because just, why not? Yeah. yeah. I'd be normal. It doesn't I'd hurt anybody, so you may as well. <laughs> so I think a lot of people now uh, with the quarantine are embracing, uh, I actually read an article, like people are becoming more quote-unquote weird, even though I, I'm funny about that word, but Wait, where they're they're not trying so hard to uphold social norms and think there there's less judgment because nobody's there to judge you, and uh, huh. so <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. Most of the uh, quarantine, I've been sitting around in yoga pants doing art. Oh, so, there you go. But normally, I actually dress up and I actually put effort into what I wear, and I like to wear costumes all the time. Costumes, although it's just me. Mm -hmm. Everyone else thinks it's a costume. Like the one time I showed up to Comic Con dressed as myself and people are like good costume right. awesome costume i dressed up as myself mm. that's what i do mm. yes. <laughs> i i like it so you're you're just a person who's always just uh, exuding creative energy i guess yeah without much care uh for what people think about what i <laughs> do and dress because i know i'm just going to be whoever i am because if you try to stick like this round peg into a square hole or a square hole, square peg into a round hole sort of situation, I'm just not going to work. It's just, I, I fit outside the norm of mainstream society, and I'm happy with that. Um, some people feel that very uncomfortable. I know I did when I was younger. I didn't know exactly who I was, but I kept on going from one weird phase to another weird phase and pissing off my mom. And um, But in the end, I was still happy with who I, uh, who I was. You know, the only person I ever really want to be is me. There you go. <laughs> Very cool. So, okay. And um, so if we do future themed episodes, uh, hopefully uh, I, I've got a couple in mind that I, I've told you a little bit about, but uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> but if we do future themed episodes, I hope that you'll be able to contribute some art and that we'll have other writers and artists who want to contribute as well as voice actors. Absolutely. It sounds like a good time. Yes. I look forward to that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. My, so. my pleasure. It's right. my pleasure. Much. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thank you, Vanessa Cook Farmer of Midnight Epithelium on Instagram. Yes. Vanessa's artwork's amazing. Please check her out and also, a big thank you to Savage C. Walnar, our legendary announcer, who gets the show started off just right, and to Ethan McSell, composer of the You Mind theme, Demilitarized Zone. Wow, it's just fantastic. You know what? That sounded sarcastic. I didn't mean for it to, but patreon.com slash lucidnap if you want to help support the show. That's a thing that you can do. should probably advertise that harder. Also, buymeacoffee.com slash lucidnap. I mean, it's a lot like I don't want for money. I do all the time. Oh, LostBreadComic.com, also a thing that you can do. You can buy art and stuff. I really need to update it, guys. But let me know the kind of stuff that you like to buy on there. 
follow us on social media. No money is involved. Just follow us and keep up with what we're doing. Or you can check out Creeping Wave Radio. It's a fun, sassy audio drama that I write and produce and edit. And yeah, you should definitely check it out. Find San Diego talent, voice actors, and musicians. It's, uh, it's worth a listen, and it's an ongoing plot that uh, you want to keep up on so that you're not left out of the cycle, right? Right. So go ahead and give a listen to that. And uh, you know what? Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for just, you know, spending your time with us because that's, that's a pretty big deal <laughs> considering that we had to record this episode multiple times because the audio quality was just terrible. We live in the weeest of tiniest apartments and all of our neighbors here in the underworld are literal demons. So they're constantly shrieking and screaming and sacrificing things. It's terrible. So anyway, it's real hard to record. <laughs> but thank you so much to the Grammerica Show, Nikki Banfield, and the lovable Neil, who are our Patreons, and they help make this show possible. Yes, you also could be a Patreon. We, we gave the link earlier, but it's going to be in the description below. Uh, you can do the buymeacoffee.com. You can do whatever, whatever you want, or just keep on listening, because that means the world to us. Really. No, it does. The You Mind is brought to you by Lucid Nat Productions in cooperation with a hairy old man. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hello. Is anybody out there? Anybody. This is Jim Cobb. If you're hearing this, the worst has happened. I've recorded a podcast at the end of the world and will broadcast it on channel PEN every Friday. It's all about the apocalypse, books, movies, TV, how much food and water will you need your bunker, all that kind of stuff. Excuse me, sir. You're going to have to keep the noise down. You're in a library and you're scaring the kids. The world hasn't ended yet. Sorry, ma'am. Shh, you're in the library at the end of the world with host Jim Cobb. Fridays exclusively on Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.